This is Corolla Digital. Hey, you guys, it's me, Allison. I just want to say thank you so much for listening. If you like what you're hearing, which, let's face it, you do, tell a friend. You can listen to us all sorts of places. A couple of them would be iTunes or AllisonRosen.com. This show is sponsored by NatureBox. NatureBox ships great-tasting, healthy snacks right to your door. Forget the vending machine and start snacking smarter with healthy, delicious treats like dark cocoa almonds. Support this podcast by ordering a free NatureBox sampler box at naturebox.com slash allison. That's right. Free NatureBox snacks are found at naturebox.com slash allison. Hey, everyone. Hi. Hello. It is me, Allison Rosen, and I'm sitting here with Ben Glebe, host of Game Show Network's Idiot Test and a zillion other things. And before the show started, we were talking about vaginas. We were, yeah. Yeah. Very in-depth. What's your take on them? What's, I like them. <laughs> yeah, if I had to choose one of the two categories, I enjoy them. Um, you know, they can, be a, they can be quite a Pandora's box, pun intended, however. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's right. A, there's a lot. You don't, you don't always want to look directly into them. They're good and they and they provide, but you know it's, you don't. Sometimes it's always sometimes it's too honest. How how do you mean? Well, you know sometimes it's you know it's just it's a lot of there's nothing else left. It's the great secret of a, that a woman holds. You know, right? So do you have curiosity about what a particular woman's Pandora's box is going to be like before you no. head into that brush? No, I just try not to think about it too much. You know what really? I mean? It's just part of the package. It's like to me, it's like if somebody gives you a diamond ring and that's never happened to me but if somebody did give you a diamond ring i wouldn't be like oh what is what is the engraving on the bottom look i don't care it's just the ring i'm happy to be there just the presentation of it mm-hmm. right so you don't overthink it i try not to overthink it once you do it that is a that is a rabbit hole you, didn't, you can't escape from do you know guys who are cursed with overthinking the vaginas they come in contact with sure really I do, yeah and it just I, takes them out of the moment. Yeah, I mean, I used to overthink it. I used to overthink it, and then I, I, I retrained my brain to just relax about it. Overthink like, uh-oh, what am I going to do here? Am yeah. I prepared? Well, my first job, uh, my first real job in an office was as a file clerk in a gynecologist's office. Really? When I was 18 years old, 17 to 18, so it, that's the worst. No young boy should be exposed to the things you overhear in that office. Mm-hmm. And you see in those files that you're looking at illegally. Uh, it was not great. What kind of things? I mean, just fluids and things. You don't over hear women in the office getting taking the phone calls and be like, "No, that's a normal fluid. That's oh, that one's not great." I'm like, well, "There's fluids, right? Is that, right. Like out. more of like a discharge or a seeping." Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Right now, you just did it, and I almost, I almost had war flashbacks. <laughs> I take that back. You take it back. I take it back. Thank you, thank you. Can I take it back? Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. It's gone then. Good. Wonderful. Yeah. It scarred me to vaginas for a while, but I'm I'm good now. You know, it 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 put me off of them for the first couple of years of college. After that, why did you what, why did you take that job? I just wanted to go to Europe with my friends backpacking when I graduated high school. I didn't have any money, and my grandfather had some money, but I knew he respected a work ethic. So I said to him, "Grandfather, if I get a job for the rest of the school year, will you match the funds so I can go to Europe?" And he said, "Yes." I knew if I just asked, he would. That was be so into enterprising it. of you. Mm-hmm. Was you. that your idea, or it was were you mine. really? Yeah, I just thought of it. I knew he'd say yes to that scenario. And then this job was the one that came up. 
Yeah. It was, it was a friend's mom that was, was a gynecologist. gynecologist. Yeah. And I had a crush on the receptionist, and she was really hot. And from certain angles, you could see inside her shirt at her bra, and that was exciting. Mm. So I was was it like one of those, like, you could see in between the two buttons kind mm-hmm, of thing? Mm-hmm. Like, she had, a, mm-hmm. she was super buxom. She was. So when she turned, her yes. shirt did not contain the full yes. bounty of her chest. Yes, and she had, like, a little swivel chair, so... All throughout the day, I would make sure I was angled sometimes. Huh. She was adorable. I feel like being aroused at a gynecologist's office is a bad idea. It's not great. It's not great. It was weird. The whole thing was weird. And they had certain, you know, celebrity clients, and I knew if they had breast implants or not or what kind of childbirth they had. It was it was weird, man. But, you know, and they were trying to set me up with girls like once or twice there, and I'm like, well, I can read their file. It never happened. But, but. They tried to say, who's the they here? Who tried to set you up? I think the the, the doctor and or the people who work there, the receptionist people and, you know, cute single girl walks in. They'd be like, here's someone fertile and disease free. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. So it was well-intentioned. That seems wrong. It was well-intentioned. I knew it was a mistake saying anything about vaginas to you right before the podcast started. (laughs) Well. I knew it was a mistake. We're never getting out of this topic. No, we're stuck in the vagina. I know. It happens. Oh, yeah. I had a question. Deep in the weeds. I mean, I can barely it's I can barely see out. I have a movie coming out this weekend you called do? Book of Life. Tell me about that. Uh, it's a big animated movie. I'm going to allow you to change the subject. Thank but we're you. coming back. We're going back <laughs> into that vagina. Let me transition to talking about a kid's movie. Uh, Hang on one second, because yep. Gary Sainz came me. out last weekend. No, it did not. Yes, it did. Nope. When this comes, comes out, out this Friday. No, when Book of Life. when people hear this, it will have just come out. It came out last weekend. Right, exactly right. And it's okay. They know that we don't record this the day that they hear it. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, coming out last weekend to huge numbers or medium <laughs> numbers. And it I was heard a it was big, a monster hit. Yep, or a disappointment. It was one of the two. No, it was. It did great, and it's a beautiful movie about life and death. And I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I voice two characters in the movie. What are these characters? Tell us more about what this movie's about. Goya and Dali are the voices. One of my, my main character is one of Channing Tatum's Ray Handman soldiers. Basically, it's about these two guys in the Spanish town that are fighting for the love of this one woman they've known since childhood, and, and they're fighting for her and, and uh, hoping to win, win her over. But it's a very adult themes for a kids' movie. It takes place, a lot of it, on the Spanish Day of the Dead, and part of it takes place in heaven. It's very in, in, intense and interesting for a kids' movie. I, I, I like it. It's beautifully done. Who is making this movie? Or who made this movie? It, 20th Century Fox. And do you pay, play a... Do you voice a human or an animal? Uh, there's no... I wouldn't really say... They're, they're, it's a human, sort of, but everybody... It's like this... They flash back to this world, so it's like all the characters are kind of wooden and like... They're kind of like toy characters, even though they're real people. It's like a folklore. It's supposed to be a person, though, that I play. Mm-hmm. But they look like wooden people. And you do you do a lot of voiceover? I do. Yeah, I was in Ice Age. I played Marshall the Sloth in Ice Age, Continental Drift. Mm-hmm. And I do a different, you know, cartoon characters here and there. And yeah, it's fun to do to do that. Did you meet Channing Tatum? No, he didn't even come to the premiere. I don't think. <sighs> I didn't see. So him it's, that's so Channing. I know it really is. Isn't it though? You no, know, it is. Yeah, I know. So did you end up going to Europe? I might still. Oh, I did. Yeah, I went to Europe. I went to Europe, backpacked for five weeks. And it was a, it was fun. It was a good time. We slept outdoors three times. And each time we like sort of almost like got lost our lives. We were robbed at knife point. It was intense. Where did that happen? The bank of the Seine River on our last night on the trip. We slept by there and went near a bunch of homeless people who were breaking glass. And we thought, eh, it's fine to keep chilling here in our sleeping bags. Our backs to the twenty foot drop into the river, mm-hmm. right across from Notre Dame, and these these very high, uh, like in, intense. Um, Arab dudes came over and they robbed us and took our camera and then left. And then 
stupidly, we called them back. We were like, please, can you come back and just give us the film back? Can we just, we just took great pictures all day in Paris today. And they robbed us more and then made us take our wallets out Aww. and all this. The guy put a knife right to my ear. And he said, Did they give you the film back, though? No, we no. did not get the film. They have the guarantee it's blown up on their wall. Right, right. Memory so, of that great day. Sorry, you said knife at your ear. They put a knife to my ear, and they were like, money. And I was like, I already gave you my money. And he's like, money. He wanted the whole wallet. And my buddy's like, give him your money. I'm like, all right, once my buddy jumps to their side, probably now it's the I time to give coat. it up. He really was a turncoat. I know. Mm-hmm. We're not friends anymore. Good. Um And th- Yeah. And then he came out of the closet years later, too. That's unrelated. It's not why we're not friends. It seems like it is, the way you told it. I know. I wanted to make sound controversial, but I didn't support gay people. I really do. Great. I support their balls <laughs> with my tongue. What? I don't I, know. Any point is, I slid my credit card out under my hand slyly so they couldn't run up charges when I gave them the wallet. That's pretty wily of you. Thank you. Do you consider yourself scrappy slash wily? Yeah, I do. Really? And people don't expect it of me, but it, I am. Um, I would expect it of you. You would? I don't, you don't seem trustworthy. Is that what wily means? I thought wily just means like you can like bob and weave. It does, but I think I don't seem trustworthy. I, I, that's not really true. Okay, but that's I good. think that someone who's like I think that I am someone I'm pretty naive and uh, gullible. Hence, I think that comes across as more trustworthy. I'm trying to figure out if I really think this as I'm saying it because that also because maybe trustworthy you want someone responsible. Yeah, I don't know that being I feel like super someone, gullible is trustworthy. I mean, I feel like they would, you could. Well, it means that you know that they're not trying to pull one over on you. Well, though. that's because they're incapable of it. Yes. Whereas someone who's wily and scrappy, who knows what, they're, what game they're running. That's true. They, they would be a good host for a show. That's true. Where there's going to be all sorts of brain teasers and stuff. Exactly right. Yeah. But I mean, like, do you feel like you've gotten by on your wits? Yeah. I feel like my wit has been helpful in, in, in my life navigating certain difficult circumstances throughout my life for sure like what uh well firstly being on chelsea handler's show for seven years (laughs) you really need to be able to be quick on your feet because she comes at you hard right talk about someone who's wily i mean she comes at you left and right right comes out like a pugilist and most people don't exactly know where she's coming from no but you just have to be able to handle it and come back but if you want to go further back in my life i feel like my wit has helped me i I grew up with with a pretty serious speech problem as a kid and what like, was it? It was like beyond. It was a stutter, but also beyond that, like a disfluency. I couldn't even like make sounds come out of my vocal cords for a lot mm. of my life, actually. And I couldn't even say hi to a friend in the hallway or whatever. I would just like freeze up. My vocal cords would clamp down. And I feel like the only way to not be like mercilessly made fun of, and even that was, of course, but the only way to like come out of that hole was to have a funny thing to say or a way to play off the embarrassment. So when you eventually could talk, it'd be something kind of humorous instead of embarrassing and sad that's that's crazy and look at you now voicing films and things how stand far up you've come on a stage with a microphone yeah which was my greatest fear back then i, I had to tell teachers to not call on me in front of 10 people but yeah now i can go to an arena and and, and perform it's pretty crazy you do arenas i oh yeah because i i do arenas because i've been fortunate enough to open for both dane cook and chelsea so i got to uh, play lots of arenas, and especially the way Dane does it, it's so intense, it's in the round. So you're literally standing in the center of an arena with 12,000 people all around you and just a mic, and you have to entertain them for however long you're up there. Do you just keep turning? I would turn a lot. Play to, turn a lot. Yeah. But they have monitors, so they see you from every angle of the arena. So even if you stay in one spot, like people say, like, is it hard? Does it seem like so removed? I actually honestly found arenas to be, in a lot of ways, more intimate than even a little comedy club. 
because like in the back row of the improv, you know, they're fairly far from you and they can't see every facial expression that mm-hmm. well. Whereas in arena, your head is like 20 feet big on every monitor. So they could literally see every little nuance. I could bring them to like a pin drop silence before a big punchline. It was a ton of fun. I love it. It kind of spoils you for small rooms after that. Right. You know, for the, um, the, uh, no, it's not, it's not gonna be worth it. Cause I s- spoke too slowly and now whatever joke I was going to make is lost. It's Try gone. It. You sure? Yeah. It was for the, the, what's the it. opposite of intimate. Enormous. No, that's not what I'm going that's for. Not the exact opposite. What's the like tonal opposite of intimate? The tonal opposite. Distant. Loud. Well, what I was going to say is like, oh, for the formality of, but formality is not the right word. For the whatever this word is of a small room. And then it would have been, have been hilarious because this is a word that would not be associated with a small room. Sure. Because, you know, usually you think a small room's intimate. Right. Just, just for, picking up on what you are. For the grandiosity of a small room. Kind of, but more like for the like, ec- like what would an opera house be refer- for the echoey? You know what? Forget it. Let's move on. Let's go back to disfluency. I'm sorry for asking. Sure. I'm sorry for bringing it up. I apologize, though, for making it stay there. I'm sorry for being born. You win that one. Thank you. Um, disfluency, which is a word that I was not familiar with. Mm-hmm. When did the, and what does it mean? It means you just can't speak fluently. It means you literally are like fits and starts and you just can't, you cannot, you, can, you have no fluency to the way you speak. It's just, you, you just, your vocal cords stop. So when did that start? Early. It started probably at like age three or four. Um, I found like a home video of myself a few years back and I was talking so rapidly, like scarily rapidly. I think I was like maybe speaking too fast for my, I don't know, maybe I was thinking too fast for my mouth to keep up or something. And like it, it just shut down. I had to like take a step back for a while. Was it a psychological thing? I think for me it was. Yeah, because I went to years of speech therapy and they teach you these little tricks how to open your vocal cords. Like make an H sound before a letter because an H opens. So instead of saying mom, be like Hamam, can I hear? Like, I'm not gonna say hamam. Like, I sound like a breathy pervert. Hamam, can I go to the store? I just knew in my head it was just something that was blocking mentally, and I just had to figure it out. And did you figure it I out? I figured it out. Yeah. But I mean, did you figure out what was causing it? Uh, no, I don't know. That I per se figured out what caused it. Well, partially, partially. I remember one day there was a breakthrough in therapy where my speech therapist. Was asking me what was wrong, and I'm like, I just want to. She asked me to read out loud, and I was like, I just want to be so perfect and speak so perfectly. And she realized that I was so focused on the way everything I said was presented, I was more focused on the presentation than I was on the content of what I was saying. And so I realized, oh, I should really care more about the content, and not care so much about myself and the way I'm presenting it. I think it was maybe a bit of a not a self-absorption, but self-consciousness. Yeah, it was definitely self-conscious. Where do you think that came from? I don't know. Was there pressure in your? What was your family like? Very Growing nice, up. very nice people. Bit of a tumultuous household at times, as far as a lot of fighting. I have all that of us. really. Yeah, tell me more about that. I mean, it was very, we had very loving, like very loving Jewish household. Parents couldn't have been more supportive and always there, but at the same time, lots of like crazy drag out fights, like between. cursing between everybody. My parents mostly themselves, and then my brother and I, and then even my parents and I and my brother. Like we'd have like we're a family that would like let it go after a fight. We would like curse each other out to the craziest degree. Literally, like, throwing oranges on the ceiling and yelling at each other, like, fuck you, fuck you, you fucking bitch, you're the fucking worst. And then, like, it blows over and we're like, dinner? Yeah. What kind of stuff would you guys fight about? I don't even remember. I'm just stupid things. Like, a tantrum that my brother would throw or I would throw would just spiral out of control. And then maybe my dad would side with one of us my mom would side with the other. Then it would be everybody, every man for himself. And it would just be insane, insane fights back and forth. What was yours like? 
my parents fought a lot, and they're still together. Yeah, mine too. And they claim that that's healthy. Like, they'll be like, a lot of these families in Orange County, the the husband and wife don't even talk to each other. Mm-hmm. As if the fact that they constantly yelled yeah. meant they had Love. such this. Uh, maybe, maybe. And a therapist actually said to me a long time ago, and this does make me want to vomit a little bit. She's like, <laughs> maybe that was their dance. I mean, like, maybe that was like their sort of Well, they had to say it flirtatious, in a way like that. Whatever. But, but it does show passion, I suppose. Well, Maybe, but as a kid, it was just very upsetting and scary. Yeah, no, I was, it's not great for kids to see. No, I didn't. And in fact, to this day, so I remember later I lived in a house with roommates and there was yelling happening between one of my roommates and a friend of ours. And just the cadence of their voices made me want to hide. Like mm-hmm. it still it has, when I hear yelling, it has a very, I have a visceral reaction to it, which is like I get this knot in my stomach and I feel very unsafe. Yeah. Um. So uh, fuck them. Yes. But for you, it sounds like you were you were part of it. At like, times, I mean, a lot it. of the time it was my parents fighting with each other, and you know, me trying to mediate. But a lot of times, I was part of it for sure. I mean, it was it was tumultuous. We are we were all very individual characters in my family. And how did that go when you tried to mediate? Because I also would try to do that, would. and it didn't go well for me. Yeah, it was. Uh, how did it go? It was. It was. A, it was. You know, it was interesting. I think it helped. It's one of the things that developed my. My conversation skills and my ability to handle all the crazy things that this business throws at you and that the world throws at you, you know, sort of like a boot camp emotionally as a child. So, But how did it go? I think sometimes when I'd make really impassioned pleas, they would listen and it would help diffuse situations. Sometimes it would just be another voice, you know, adding to the – like I, I said throwing oranges. I remember like on several occasions, parents would be shouting so loud. The only thing I could think to do is like slightly damage like their bedroom to loud, <laughs> or, like just throw an orange like, repeatedly against the ceiling in, the, in, in between them. Just in hopes they'd see there's now orange juice hitting your ceiling. Like, maybe we should stop this fight and address the orange juice rain situation. And did it work? Yeah, at times. You know what I mean? Then we'd split an orange as a family and mom would <laughs> slice pieces for us. And it was adorable. Um, are your mom and dad, uh, like, is it an an even match between them? Yeah, pretty even. Pretty even. And they're much better now. Now they're, like, you know, more in love than ever and more at peace than ever. And maybe you just have to go through 25 years of tumult before they settle down. <laughs> Maybe that's just the secret to happiness. Maybe that is their dance, Allison. Gross. <laughs> the old people who are parents in general should not be dancing. That is true. That is true. Your brother or younger or older? Younger. Married with a child. Married for seven and a half years, two-year-old baby. Younger than me, much more mature than me. Mm-hmm. I take it you're not married and you don't have children. Correct. Correct. Couldn't be further from my reality. Let's go back to the oranges and the parents and mm-hmm. all that. Sure. What do your parents do? My father was a real estate broker growing up. He had a company with my grandfather. And then when my grandfather passed away, the company sort of dissolved. And my dad became a retail salesman, became a luggage salesman and in different stores around L.A. And then my mom was mostly a housewife growing up, but she also all along would tutor. Um, she's, she's Israeli, and she's a brilliant woman, and, and she would tutor kids for their bar mitzvahs, but also tutor rabbis and help them like write their sermons and help them understand the Bible better, even though she's totally not religious, but she just understands it very well. And then she became a high school teacher for many years, mm-hmm. um, at the, you know, and until they both retired recently. And your dad, not Israeli? Not Israeli. He actually was born there, weirdly, but moved when he was one. He's, I think they were just kind of passing through, essentially. Where did you grow up? Here in L.A. You? Uh, in Orange County. Okay, yeah. Yes. It's almost L.A.? 
It's almost it is just a little bit below it. Yeah, that's exactly right. But but above it in certain ways in their own minds. Yes, exactly. It's a very cocky town. It is. We didn't really fit in. No. Not that we're not cocky, but we weren't cocky. But no, we didn't. I mean, it's just it's very homogenous and very white and and Asian. Yes, we were in more the white part. That makes sense. Very blonde. It was very blonde and waspy and blue eyed mm-hmm. and conservative and religious. Yeah. And we were very not any of those things. It was yeah. also very athletic and I was not athletic right. either. It was the girls that I wanted so bad in high school. Yes. The op- you know, you want the blonde, right. hot, athletic, popular girl that will not give you the time of day. Who was your celebrity crush when you were younger? When oh. you were young and couldn't speak? Sandra Bullock. Really? <laughs> I was a mute boy in love with Sandra Bullock. <laughs> yes, I loved Sandra Bullock. Like in Speed? No, like pre yeah, I guess in, in speed, sure. In the net, absolutely. There was a scene, you know, lying by the pool in her bikini. I'm like, oh boy. But also in 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 for love of or war or whatever, for love of war, whatever it was called. Oh, I didn't see in that one. In love and war, in love and war, something like that. Gary, did you see? I it? was like, I'm not positive about that one, but I could. I'll go. I'll go the net. trivia for with you on the net any day of the week. Oh really? Oh hell yeah! It's great. Dennis Miller, That's great role for him. Great movie. Yeah, yeah, very good movie. But I was in love with Sandra Bullock, and then maybe Elizabeth Shue and like Karate Kid. Oh yeah. Stuff like that. They were two of my favorites for certain. Um, yeah, and I got to meet Sandra Bullock recently, and like I just couldn't have been dumber. Like, because you know she's a single lady. Like, and I have some. Sometimes I'm not against older women, and I could have made a move. Instead, I was just saw. I needed a selfie, and I just literally tried to take a selfie, and I couldn't snap it. I had asked her four times for it. Literally, mm. the fourth time she was like, "All right, last try." But did she say it in a flirty way? Or no, in a, like a nice way, but like kind of serious and oh. not flirty. No. I mean, I just, I, I wasn't at all being an adult man. I was like fanboy. It was very stupid. I felt dumb about it. But now you're saying you could have made a move because you felt like she was waving you in or just no, in no, general? No, no, no. I'm just saying like I could have, and I mean not a move, but I could have made a better impression and like right. had a chance for her to see me as like a human potential, you know, love interest. And instead I was like, hi, can I, have, I didn't even like say hi. I'm like, hi, can I get a picture? I can. <laughs> oh, it didn't work. Can I get the money take it one more time? I'm so sorry to bother you. I didn't get it. Can we do one more time? <laughs> where'd, so you, have, where'd you meet her? It was at the Chelsea finale. Oh. It was all kinds of celebrities there. Now we were, a lot of us were, myself included, were just going selfie crazy. We didn't even like feel the emotion of the day because there were celebrities far above our, our reach and our range and our, and our, and our, our circle that we were excited to be around. Right. Who so, else I mean, were you excited to be around? Gwen Stefani was cool to meet. Um, Fergie was cool. She was a little flirty. You know, she's married, but she was just like, right. she, she was a fan of the show and she was like sort of excited to meet me in a weird way. And I, that blew my mind because it's, mm-hmm. Fer, it's Fergie. She's royalty. She's in the <laughs> right. British royal family. Yeah, I know. I've seen her Weight Watchers ads. Mm-hmm. Early in Cuisine. I forget which one she I is. Like Weight Watchers. Yeah. Yeah. Flowing red locks. Mm-hmm. We're confusing Fergies, aren't we? I think you mean Stacy Ferguson from Kids Incorporated. Right. Back in the day. Yes, exactly right. Yeah. That's a good show. Was your first, let's go back to the family stuff. I'm fascinated. Sure. I'm just imagining in this passionate, orange-throwing, yelling household, mm-hmm. did everyone talk about their feelings? <laughs> you mean during fights or not during fights? Both. I don't know. I don't know that I remember a ton of like feelings conversations. I think maybe, I mean, we're a very loving family. Like we're the one of those families that say, I love you at the end of every sentence. You know what I mean? But then maybe does that lose its meaning? I don't know. Oh, um, I say it all the time. I say it on this show. You'll hear me say it later. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. To to me or? Everyone. Oh, that's sweet. So yeah, it does lose its meaning. Right. Yeah. 
But so I don't know if there was a ton of talking about our feelings. I mean, during fights at that point, obviously it's feelings based, but it's like angry feelings based. It's not a lot of like, just I don't want to be heard. It's a lot of like, fuck you. Well, in my family, a lot of the fighting was because someone hurt someone else's feelings. But it's like you're that you're so in touch with your feelings that you're offended that someone hurt your feelings. Sure. It's coming out as anger. I think that's what it was. It's probably what most fights are, I would imagine. Yeah, probably. I would imagine. I mean, but yeah, I mean, there was definitely not a lack of emoting in our family or lack of sharing feelings. But I think it was, you know, whatever. It's just I think we all didn't know how to relate to each other that well all the time. I don't want to paint a picture like we were just fighting. Like it was a very loving, happy family life for a good, you know, 60 percent of the time. Right. I'm just wondering if, like when I was in second grade, I began blinking really hard and I don't even want to say it because now I'm so aware of my face. Uh-huh. It's like when you talk about eye contact and you your eyeballs get self-conscious and yeah. they start to feel hot. I, start, I remember the teacher was like, "Are you? can you see the board okay? And I said, yes. And I just started developing these tics. And in retrospect, I think... What was there was obviously stress going on that was causing me to do that, and I guess that's not an uncommon age for that to come out in kids. So maybe it was just developmental, but I have a feeling it was. I can think back, and there was all sorts. You know, my mom's parents both died within a few weeks of each other around that time, and there was just all this. There was trauma at home that was coming out in my face. I think, and so <laughs> I'm just wondering if your disfluency was related to anxiety based on stuff at home or family stuff or anything like that it might have been I mean, there's a million theories you know i also was intending to like left or right hands as far as writing when i was a kid and some teacher recommended i become left-handed and i think that might have crossed my wires a little bit uh, because why did writing, that teacher recommend that because i just wasn't tending to my right and i was already like five or six and there wasn't and so to this day i have horrendous writing left-handed and i'm kind of ambidextrous so really i should have been just right-handed probably so maybe that was a problem. Right. And who knows what causes these things? But I think it's all good. You know, like one of the things that I that I try to do on on, on Idiot Test and in my stand up comedy is is you know I I do a lot of improv with the crowd or with my contestants and I try to you know I think I'm pretty good at in the moment thinking very quickly of of jokes or insults or things to say and I think that might have come from the Malcolm Gladwell ten thousand hours of practice whereas from having a speech problem I grew up my whole life approaching a block and having like a quarter second to try to think of a different word to convey the same thought. So I think maybe it may perhaps it trained my like neural pathways to ricochet and pinball right, faster and think to be really nimble and think faster. And maybe that's how I developed that skill. I don't, I don't know for certain, but that's my theory. What are some of the other tricks besides the, <gasps> I mean, I just developed a weird, you said about blinking a lot. I developed a, a, a weird tick that would help cure a block Whereas when I started, like, in college, even, I still had my speech problem, and I started doing a TV show, and you would see me, like, on the show. It was, like, a late-night talk show, and I'd be delivering the news, these, like, funny news jokes, and I'd hit a block, and you'd, I'd hit a block. I'd be like, and then Bill, Bill Clinton, and I would touch my eye with my pinky, and that would somehow clear it, and I could then talk, but then you'd just see me touch my pinky for no <laughs> touch my eye for no reason, and, like, a complete weirdo. Like, why? That's not pleasant to look at. Mm-mm. You know, well, you don't have to agree with that. I mean, no, it just doesn't matter. Nobody cared. No one would even ever notice that. Really? Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. I once heard that if you're trying to remember something, if you run your finger along like the corner of a table or something like that, it'll help you remember. Really? So ever since I learned that, I do that and it never works. It does not do shit. Oh, it doesn't work at all. I don't think it works. 
Yeah, there's a lot of things that like we're told. Like if you're trying to – I was on a TV set that I heard this. So it was like, you know, if you're trying to remember copy, just as you're memorizing it, run your finger along it. And I don't know what it's supposed to do, but Maybe it doesn't work. it's supposed to like focus your brain away from like the remembering and it just makes it rote, like it takes your focus away. I could see it working. I, it seems like it should. There was another thing I was learning when you try to memorize stuff in college. Someone taught me one time is to look and make your peripheral vision, like, try to see into your periphery as far as you can, wide on Ooh, both sides. I'm trying to do that and right now. And then information can, like, come in more because you're not focusing on any one thing in front of you. So, I feel like I'm focusing on everything. I just well, feel like I have a crazed look in my eyes Yeah, now. it looks crazy, but look wide. I'm going to give you a sequence of numbers. You repeat it back, okay? Okay. Four, 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 four. Repeat it back. Four, 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 four. You see, that works. That worked really well. <laughs> <laughs> my God. Right? Thank you for you're this welcome. super valuable trick. Mm-hmm. My pleasure. Where'd you go to college? UC San Diego. How'd you like it? It was great. It worked. It was good. It worked out pretty well. I had to join the Greek system there because we had no social life on our campus. So mm-hmm. I was in a fraternity. It was a lot of fun. What kind of fraternity? Sigma Chi fraternity. Uh, it was a normal fraternity. We were good though. We were like legitimate. We were like we were like really like maybe the popular fraternity on campus. There was another one that was popular, but like douchebag popular. We were like nice guy popular. Were you really, though? Because I feel like pe- we that's a, it's a claim that someone could make, and I would uh-huh. have no way of really knowing unless we I were. talked to someone else. We who- actually were. We had like a rare balance somehow where we were actually like the gentleman on campus. We would win scholarship banquet and philanthropy awards, but yet we also threw the most insane parties. We had the only frat house in the college because we weren't allowed to have Greek Row, but we, had, we happened to rent a 12-acre ranch property. That sounds in pretty like fun, actually. It was amazing. The house was in the dead middle of the of the 12 acres, so parties could never get broken up. We'd have like 500 people come to our parties, and just it would go all hours of night. Once a party got broken up by helicopter. I mean, that's how insane it was. So What we was the complaint? Good. I don't know. I think the horses nearby were spooked in the ranch next mm-hmm. door. And so they called? The horses called, <laughs> yeah. The horses ran their finger along and said, what is that number? 911. They're, right. right. <laughs> um, Three or four number sequences are really helped by running your finger along or looking wide, mm-hmm. which always works for horses because they probably look wide pretty well. You'd think it's hard they to look. They can't even, yeah. It's hard to look over think, that nose. Right. I don't even think they could. Well, wait a minute. Do you think they No, narrow? horses look forward. Oh, ducks look to the Birds and ducks look to Oh, is that really the a thing? They do? Well, yeah. Think, well, think about where a parrot's eyes are or a duck's eyes are. They can only see side and side. And I don't know how that oh, works. I don't know how their brain puts that together. So you could walk right up to a parrot from the dead middle and just punch him in the face and he'd never see you coming? I don't know if they're blind to what's in front of them. I hope they are because I would love it. Can you imagine you walk right up to them and just punch yeah. them right in the face? And then, and then they just repeat pain. Oh, my God. I You'd think hurt. they would fly sideways, actually. Yeah. How do you Since not see can... <laughs> forward? They only fly sideways. They're just mostly flying in circles. We're going to have to interview a bird. You think that would be a good so, interview? <laughs> it depends. That's true. Depends what, what bird you're interviewing. How you know? many words does he know? Right. That's true. Exactly. That's what did true. you major in in college? I was a communications major, theater minor. Um, and I learned nothing in the communications part of that. Nothing. I had my own TV show. That's where I learned things. What was your own TV show? It was called The Glebe Show. It was a late night talk show. Where, where did it run? It aired on the campus TV station. And then once a year, I'd do a big live Glebe show that would air on like seven cable systems in San Diego and would air, you know, to everybody, and it That's was fun. So cool. Like my fourth annual live Glebe show, my senior year, it was the opening ceremonies for our Sun God Festival, 
There were 3,000 students live in the crab. We had a $15,000 budget for one episode of a school show. Carmen wow. Electra was my guest. Wow. Brought up from L.A. They ended up using clips of my interview with her on her E! True Hollywood story. That was my first like national TV debut. That's really cool. It was fun. The Marines brought me in on a tank. I didn't do great with girls in college, but after that show, but the last couple months, Marines. it was pretty Yeah. Banged <laughs> a lot of Marines in college. Right. Very so you were kind Corps. of a, a celebrity on campus after that. I guess, yeah. I mean, yeah, for, for like the last, you know, maybe two years of college, at least, uh, I was pretty well known on campus. It didn't really help me. I still had confidence issues with girls, but it, then at the very end, I started to figure it out a little bit. Do you consider yourself a late bloomer? Yes, definitely a late bloomer. Very much. Same. All, I think all the good people are. That's I hope what I've that's decided. true. I, I, actually, I don't know. We talk about that a lot here, though. Specifically, we talk about ages that we lost our virginity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like most of the people close to me lost it pretty late. I lost and it I remember late. on Adam Carolla's show, he was saying that people who start having sex at 13 and 14, like they don't become successful because right. you're, well, maybe he didn't mention that young, but still, it's like you're distracted from, from, uh, Having to focus and accomplish things. They do become great at sex, though. Like Probably, By yeah. 18, they're pros at sexual activities. Maybe they retire young. Yeah. yeah. I, totally. They're independently wealthy with a wealth of sexual experience they can exactly. just talk about. Yeah. I, I, heard, I wish I remember who said it, but somebody referred to people that were like really popular, not late bloomers, like really popular in high school, are, are people who, who peaked a little early in life. I think that is a nice way to look at it for better people who weren't popular in high school. Right. Yeah, no, I also hang on to that idea that if you were super popular in high school, you're not supposed to be successful after that. Right. You know who is uh, messing that up? Meryl Streep. She was prom queen. She was? Yeah. Doesn't that, doesn't that make you feel a little like, what? It does. It does. And how early did she become a famous actress? Like, I don't actually know. Probably pretty young. She might have. She's never had an awkward face. I mean, she's kind of weird looking. Does that help anything? I don't think it's to help balance the cosmos. I mean, I guess, I guess, yeah. She's sure. weird looking. She is. God bless her, but she's just a strange looking duck. She right. probably looks to the sides a bit. <laughs> it's a very wide face. I feel like she really is good at looking. Maybe that's why she's a great actress. She just takes it all in. She can memorize everything because she has that wide, exactly that wide eye right. peripheral vision. She's off book instantly. Exactly. So this TV show, the Glebe Show, yeah, was that something that you created, or what was the campus? No, there was an looking? opening for the Glebe Show host, and I just happened to be enrolled <laughs> at the campus. How convenient that you perfect. were named that. Yeah. Yeah, it worked out well. Yeah, I just always wanted to do a late night talk show. I loved Johnny Carson and wanted to host a late night show like that one day, and so I. Started doing it. I had another show throughout college called the Whatever Live Show. We'd take calls every week and just improvise and be idiots and hit on girls via the telephone lines and go out there not sober most of the time and you know and and then and then I would also did my own show which was a lot more planned and written and it was fun. It was a lot of fun. So Johnny Carson was your hero. Oh yeah, yeah he was the reason why I wanted to be a TV host and entertainer in that way. And then George Carlin is why I became a stand-up comic. That was my next question. How did you get into comedy? I just loved George Carlin since I was a kid, and I always saw the world through a comedic lens. I just always saw the world in a, in a strange way. I feel like, and I I just knew that I would do that. I, 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 in college, uh, there's a piece of paper on my in college in high school rather, even before high school, on my bedroom, my parents' house. I had a literally a piece of paper on my wall on my door when you walk in. It said Ben's Comedy Club, two drink minimum, and I had a box of comedy like a joke file that I had. And I think I'm, when I started in stand-up, I actually maybe pulled one or two of those jokes out at the very beginning. They were all right. Mm. Good, you couple, still have them? A couple good 7-Eleven jokes. I kept the cards, threw the box away recently. 
Is that a bad place for the? I'm going to move that? this just in case because we actually have cameras filming this, right. even though it goes to nowhere. I understand. It just goes straight into the ether, and I and anyway for the listener who's like, "What are you talking about?" I just moved a glass. Sure. And you just now you just put it right back where it was. I like it there. I'll move it back. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. It's a tense little moment that we just had it there. Was. I you know. and I were really battling for dominance in the studio. Right. Thank you for relinquishing. You're welcome. Um, you know what you need if you're battling? Mm-mm. Snacks. That's true. To keep your strength up. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to give you guys, my listeners, and you, Ben, a chance to get, get free snacks. You can get natural, delicious, healthy, wonderful, free snacks from naturebox.com. They've got zero artificial ingredients, zero trans fats, zero high fructose corn syrup. Um, so... They are delicious, and you feel good about eating them. And when we get the Nature Box snacks here at the studio, they're gone so fast because everyone tears into them. One time, they snatched my box of Nature Box stuff. Really? Yeah. Someone told me, hey, box of, or, a Nature Box arrived for you, and I was so excited, and I went to find it. was not there. Adam stole it. Gave it and to well, some guys. Nice. I know it's pretty rude. And I don't but- get a box. Do I get to take a box home today, or they're they already, they already been rummaged through? We don't have a box to give you. See, that's but you can get a free box by going to naturebox.com slash Allison. Um, some with, of my favorites. With one L. That's right. Peter, peanut butter nom noms, baked sweet potato fries, dark cocoa almonds. So here's what you do if you guys want a free sampler box. Go to naturebox.com slash Allison. Again, that's naturebox.com slash Allison. And you get a free sampler box of delicious snacks. I'm going to do that. Do it. Because you don't have one here for me now. I'm sorry. It's okay. Time to put that water back up there, though, you know, just to, like, <laughs> to balance that out. Right. Okay, so you were a super big George Carlin fan. Yep, definitely. And then you uh, started doing stand-up? I did. I did it, like, once or twice in college, maybe three times. But then really started when I graduated. I kind of hit it hard, and I've been doing it for 14 years since. And you were living in San Diego at the time? Did I you come was, back to LA? but I came back to L.A. to really start doing it. I did it a couple times in college, but then came back to L.A., moved right back here. And then started hitting open mics and then bringer rooms. And then, you know, that went well enough that I got invited to do book, book shows eventually. And how did the Chelsea Lately stuff come about? I knew Chelsea a little bit from stand-up, just a little tiny bit, really. And she actually had me brought in to audition to be her announcer for the show um, before it ever started. And I heard they were going to have a roundtable. And I'm like, I've always, you know, I'd be good on panel. I'd love to do it. And they're like, we'd love to have you on it. And my manager at the time, like, took his sweet time calling to get me on the show. But eventually, like six months Managers. later, called me and, I know, right? And then eventually called, and they're like, yeah, we wanted to have him on the whole time, so great. And maybe like four or five, six months into the show, I, I was booked and kept b- being asked back ever for seven years after that. It was really great. It was a nice break. How, how often would you go on? Um, over the court, like originally it was like every four or five weeks, and then towards the end of the run, it was every like two to three weeks I'd be on the show. Every like, you know, 12 episodes or whatever. And you were on an episode of Blind Date. I was. But you pretended to be someone who you aren't? That is correct. Did they know? No, they did not know. I, I had to... You invented a character? I invented a character, and I had to pull one over on the entire production crew, the casting people, stay in character for the entire like eight-hour shoot. And why uh, did you do this? I mean, aside from well, it just I was, being fun. Yeah, because I was a comedian, and I figured what a better way to start making your name when you don't have any money to do anything with your own money is use an entire television show that's already popular as your own production, as your <laughs> own way to create a hidden camera bit that they're paying for. Right. If you can pull it off, it shows you're a good actor and a good comedian. So I created this Israeli character that you know essentially is based on like one of my cousins, one of my Israeli cousins, 
And basically he talked like this and uh, he was a real chauvinist. Like, uh, <laughs> maybe you and I go uh, sweat together later. Uh, maybe. <laughs> and they matched me perfectly with like this, this like lived on a commune, total like vegan, like lived on an ashram somewhere, <laughs> like loved the world, peace loving. And it was a great, perfect. We couldn't hate each other more. It was really fun. <laughs> I walked up to the door beginning of the date and I said, here's a swatch watch for you and some halva. It worked out well. <laughs> Uh, it was fun. Did they ever have an idea? Any they, idea, do you think? They found out after. After the we did, were done taping, when they finished editing, then they like called my house one day, and, and I picked up in my regular voice. I'm like, hi. And they're like, we're blinding. I'm like, yes, it's great. <laughs> to it. And then they knew, and they called me, and they're like, people have tried over the years and not really pulled it off. You, you pulled it off on us, and they aired it. So they knew right before it aired, but they still aired it. And did you have hidden camera stuff of it? Like, did you no. document it? No. no. Yeah. We didn't have like cell phone cameras back then, so right. I did not. But there was enough cameras. They aired it the way I wanted them to. It was, it was good. Good. It was great. I felt good about it. And you've also done a bunch of pilots, right? Yeah. I mean, I've done a lot of hidden camera stuff. I mean, I actually had my own hidden camera show where I was, I was in the cast of, rather, on NBC called The Real Wedding Crashers. That was on, like, 2007. Um, we crashed real-life weddings. It was me and Steve Byrne and Gareth Reynolds and Kat Reitman and Desi Lydekin. And we were five people who would crash weddings with the knowledge of the bride and groom, they were in on it with us. And we'd pull pranks on everybody else. But it was an hour-long hidden camera show. Ashton Kutcher produced it, and it was an hour-long show, which is too long for a hidden camera show. <laughs> and they tried to make it both heartfelt and comedic. And it's hard. When you're shitting on someone's wedding, you can't right. the next second say, like, but now let's enjoy the first dance. <laughs> and have three minutes where you're trying to make people cry. Yeah. And then we walk in as, like, crazy, angry taxi driver with burnt beanie babies and throwing them at people. It's like, it's not really... It was fun. Had good moments. Um, we were after Heroes. That was my favorite show at the time. That was exciting. I hired a publicist and my whole, the whole cast said, Ben, do not hire a publicist. The show's not going to be good. No one's going to care about this show. The whole cast You're wasting said your money, yes. Wow. And I was always the eternal optimist. I'm like, guys, this could really be the break. I want a publicist ready to go that can get me press from this and parlay it. And I just wasted a shitload of money on that because they were right. How we much? Were... I've never hired a publicist, but sometimes I wonder, should I? Yeah, I don't know. It was, I think they gave me a big discount and it was maybe like seventeen fifty a month for a guy that was making no money at the time. That was too much to spend right. for those three months. Did you I get had. any press? I mean, pretty much none. Like one or two, like, like a web thing and like one magazine article maybe, mm-hmm. but like not a lot. How would you find the bride and groom whose wedding you were going to ruin? I don't know how they did it. They just held extensive casting. I think they said we're casting some kind of other show. We need like couples that are getting married. And then I think they, you know then reve- revealed to them what it would be in a set and tried to see if they would be on board or not. Do you think it hurt your career? No, it totally helped my career because it was the first time they had me as the face of a show. I was sort of like the face of the show and they, and, uh, you know, I mean, along with some of the other ones of us, but they started to have me like in all the press and the commercials as like the main guy. And, and even though the show was panned, I think it was good. And, you know, some reviews reviewed my performance favorably and, I think it showed people that I could be at the lead of a show, so that was good. It just took me many, many years to get back there afterwards, but I finally got there, Allison. Is Desi Lydekin a man or a woman? Lydek. Desi Lydek. Lydek. She's a woman. Very pretty woman. Was she... Very talented. This is where I'm now going to spend, I feel like it's going to be about 60 seconds. Sure. Potentially wasting time going on a potentially fruitless mission that Please. doesn't really matter. When I could just Google it. Mm-hmm. Do you know, was she on a reality show with... Shatner, Invasion Iowa? I don't think so. I don't, I've never heard of that. She was on the cast of 
the Jennifer Love Hewitt I'm a I'm a prostitute masseuse show. Oh yeah, what was that called? The Pussy Whisperer. What was it called? I don't remember something the exact like Ghost name. Whisperer. No, but that's a different show. Right? Then I don't know. I thought she did all Whisper themed shows for a while. Wasn't yeah, she? she's just yeah. She was also on the Shatner thing. She was okay. So. Ooh. Desi Lydic. She was? You, you knew her name from that? Well, That's because craziness. do you know who Rhett Reese is? He created the Joe Schmo show and he okay. wrote Zombieland. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was a guest on my show. Okay. And I know him from semi way back. And after Joe Schmo, which was like my favorite reality show at the time, he did this show, Invasion Iowa, which I had never heard of. I don't, I think it aired on a channel I didn't get, but he gave me the DVDs. And so I watched it. And then I remember, I, I remember her name from that. That's amazing. And the show... What was the premise of Invasion Iowa with William Shatner? They... Why was he invading Iowa for crying out loud? I know. What, what, what was the idea? They went to a small town in Iowa and said they were casting a movie and filming a movie. But the whole thing was a prank. So it was like a prank oh. on the whole town. And then... That's nice. You know, miss And then they just fuck with the people. But I think... Desi, I'm trying to remember if the actors were in on it or not. The townspeople definitely weren't. You would think they were pranking the whole town. Yeah, I'm trying to remember though if Desi thought they were actually doing a movie or not. Does it say? It says her character's name, and I that leads me to believe she's in on it. Right. Yeah, I think the whole production was in on it, and the townspeople weren't. People tried to get us to do a lot of hidden camera stuff after the real wedding crashes. What year was that show? Was it? Oh, five. Oh, that was pre-Wedding Crash. We shot in early 07. That's interesting. So I didn't know she had a hidden she camera did. background. Maybe that's how she got cast in our show. Perhaps. Interesting. It, hmm. was, it was fun. We had great moments in our show, but it was just not presented well. How was Ashton? He was cool. He was a really nice guy, humble guy. We didn't get to work with him a ton because he was in the early throes of his relationship with Demi at the time. And he couldn't. We were shooting in Las Vegas for two months, and supposedly, if he descended for two months to Vegas, people would know there was a hidden camera show going on. So he kind of couldn't come oh, to set a lot. So Jason Goldberg was our was our point man on that show. I don't know who that is, but I feel like I should. He was Jason's uh, Ashton's partner on all the punk seasons, and mm. he's a real character. Like how? He's just you know he's just a very intense executive producer, and uh, yeah, he's just a very intense man. He's married to Punky Brewster now. Oh. Soleil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Soleil and her brother Mino. Is that correct? Yeah, her brother is Mino Pelus from The Voyagers. I mean, who's naming these people? Right? I mean, that needs to stop. It makes me wonder. Are their kids' names absurd, too? Probably. Probs, right? Prob- yeah, because I don't think Moon Fry is her given last name. I mean, come on. And, It'd be Soleil Moon Fry Pelus, I think. And Soleil is the first name? Is her, is her given first name? I That probably is her real first it name. It feels like it shouldn't be, though. I know. You know what? You know what makes for Punky good... Brewster is more plausible. Yeah. You know what I think makes for good names? I was thinking about this. When the sound, when your name is alliteration, mm. or the sound of the first name and the last name works. Like I have two friends. These are genuine real names: Corinne Kennedy and Courtney Kendall. Aren't well, those solid? Great. Those are like. And I remember borderline porn star names, but they do right. roll off the tongue. But I remember a good skill for both names. <laughs> yeah. When I Both met, scenarios. I remember Courtney, who she was a photo editor at Time Out in New York when I worked there. Um, and I remember she said something about how her name sounds like a character on All My Children. And I thought, wow, I don't know that I would have the ability to objectively figure out what my name sounds like. 
It's impressive that she was able to to know what her name sounds like. It sounded like a like it would be a character yeah, on my children. She, re- she that recognized soap. I think she could have also said Days of Our Lives. Okay, so it wasn't particularly All My Children. Well, now it makes me wonder because there is a character named there was a character named Kendall on All My Children. So maybe she did specifically mean All My Children, but I'm just saying she realized it sounded like a soap opera name. Right, but maybe it was more specific to All My Children. You were a big All My Children fan. My parents, the ones who fought a lot, always watched All My Children. Really? So I just absorbed it being around them. I didn't watch it on my own. They watched All My Children and they watched Ryan's Hope, which is that was a show a long time. Sounds ago. like a charity. Yeah, and I used to think it was called Ryan's Soap. That's Ryan's how young Hope. I was. I could see that. Ryan's it sounds, Hope. Ryan's it does Soap. flow yeah. together. I remember the hot blonde girl that was the athlete, the super popular girl that I couldn't get that was very Orange County-ish. Right. She loved Young and the Restless. Mm. Y&R, Y&R, as she called it. Right. And I had one of the early, like, little tiny two-inch black and white handheld portable TVs. Oh, those were cool. They were so cool. And I brought that to school that had the every giant day. Antenna, giant though? antenna. And I brought it to school because at the end of algebra class we had together, our teacher always ended with 10 minutes left in the class. And I would bring it air during Y&R, and I would bring it to her desk so she could watch the end of Y&R. And she invited me always to watch with her, so I'd be standing over her shoulder watching Y&R, pretending like I gave a shit about that show so Aww. I could be close to her. Right. What'd she smell like? So good. Just so good. I don't even know what it, like, it was like no thing I'd ever smelled before. Right. She smelled wonderful. I was so nervous around her. I was so awkward. Did you try to ask her out? No, never. But I did. I'll, I'll give you another example of how awkward I was. I, I then did, there was another friend of mine, a girl I had a crush on who loved the show Roseanne. So I invited, I got tickets to a taping of Roseanne, like on Hollywood Boulevard, four tickets and gave it to her for a birthday gift. And she invited this other really pretty popular girl at our school and another girl and me to go to the taping of Roseanne. First week we went, couldn't get in. We had to go two weeks in a row and both weeks in the car for like a 45-minute drive to the valley and sitting there in the taping in line and back. I didn't speak one word. I was so intimidated and afraid. I sat there literally stone-cold quiet in the back of the car. Literally, we're like 10 minutes into the first ride. The driver said, Ben, you know you're allowed to speak, right? And I'm like, "Mm, yeah. And were just, you inside your head being like, talk, talk, oh, talk? Oh, yeah. But like, what uh. do I say? And I, I like these girls. And I literally could not talk. And then the only thing I'd ever said out of my mouth was on the way back on the end of week two, they put on Aerosmith's Get a Grip album. And I sang my heart out to every song with them. I, Which I, Roseanne episode do you remember? I could always sing. I don't remember what episode it was. I don't remember. You could always sing. I, I glossed right over that. I could That's always beautiful. sing. Yeah, walk in the halls. And to this day, I still sing. Like, on my podcast, I will randomly break into song all the time. I just, because I always, when I couldn't say hi to a friend in the hallway, I could always sing. I could always, just very relaxed vocal cords when you're singing. We should talk about your podcast, and we should talk more about Idiot Test. Go. Sure. Podcast called Last Week on Earth. Mm-hmm. It's on the Smodcast Network. I summarize everything that happened during the last week on Earth. News, politics, pop culture. I do you admit, write it ahead of time, or I, do you just like, yeah, how do you do it? I write a lot of it ahead of time. I, I research the stories. I write sort of like a core script, and then I'll just improvise off of it like crazy. But I do kind of cover the stories pretty efficiently. But lately, I haven't been doing it a ton. I'm trying to get back into doing it. I've just been very inundated with other things, and I've not been doing it as much as I should, but I should be doing it. Are your listeners mad at you? Yes, they're mad. And I apologize every time. But, it's, you know, I, I did it for pretty much every single week for like three years, and then I just needed a little bit of break. It's been like two months where I have not been on top of it, but I'm getting back. Mm. Do you miss good. doing it? I do. I really miss okay, doing it. Okay, because I was wondering, do you miss doing it, or is it one of those things where you stop doing it and you're like, yeah, don't need to go back to that. No, I totally miss doing it. I just, I mean, it's nice to have the extra time because it takes quite a long time to summarize yeah. the planet by yourself with no writing staff. But I do, do miss doing it very much. I don't miss preparing it per se, but I do miss doing it. Um, 
And then Idiot Test is a game show that's really unlike any other game show that I've ever seen on TV. It's on Game Show Network every Tuesday at 9 and 9.30, uh, 8 and 8.30 Central, Allison. Thank you. Yep. I couldn't do the math. <laughs> and um, a lot of respect for people in Central for some reason. Like, who even cares? Just yeah. do the math on their own. Can't they figure that out? It's weird. But anyway, and so instead of testing trivia like most game shows do, we give people brain puzzles and these are visual tests and these like brain teasers and you have to literally on a so the question comes up on a big screen at home and you try to figure it out as the contestant tries to solve it and as time ticks away they lose money and when they get questions wrong and their logic makes no sense and they freak out and touch something random i make fun of them pretty hardcore mm. and um and it's a good revenge for the years i was made fun of both growing up and on chelsea lately i get to now pay that pay that forward it's do really nice. you find the puzzles hard they're actually not that hard for me. Typically, those kind of questions would be hard for me. But for some reason, like, I just am, like, in the zone with the show where I take the test before every episode and I do really well on them. So I don't find them too hard. Once in a while, I for sure get stumped, but not too often, which is weird. Um, um, I did the – it's based on the Idiot Test app, right? Correct, yeah. It's, it's inspired by all those apps. So Idiot after test, you – yeah, after you came on the Adam Kroll show because yeah. I didn't know about these apps. So right. I downloaded one and I was playing with it. And the one that I am good at yeah. is the one where it's like, um, it'll have like four. Or now I'm, <laughs> this is embarrassing. Now I'm confusing it with part of, uh, um, of Super Mario Brothers or whatever the, the new one on number. right, the new one on Nintendo on oh, Wii. There's a new one. Yeah, well, it's different yeah. than like what we used to play when we were kids. There's an updated 3D one that's still that same different. idea though, like j- running through and jumping on turtles. And yeah, no, it's not like that. Anymore. Oh, really? No, I used to do jump on turtles though, and you go down. I just want to keep jumping tunnels. on turtles. Yeah, for you out loud. do that, but there's also other stuff. Can you, that you go do. into green tunnels? Yes, but there's a thing where it'll put four things. I d- I just held out way more than four fingers. Yeah, like nine or ten fingers you right, just held out. Right, I know. When you Possibly more four, than ten. Um, might have been. Are you going to rub it on the side of the table to remember <laughs> what you're saying? It'll put up four things on the screen, and it's like, you know, behind two of these are monsters, and behind two of these are other things, and then they scramble it, and you have to keep track and find it. Sort of like a huh. shell game. Interesting. But there's something like that on the Idiot Test app. Mm-hmm. Or the, yeah. You have to keep track of things. Right. We don't That's do that. That's what I happen to be we don't good do at. That. Maybe season two... You should, because I am good at that. And then bring me on just for that. Sure. Okay. So you're good at keeping track of things. So when you go to like a Dodger game and they're like, which, which helmet is the baseball under? And they shuffle them around. You can keep track of that really well. I would. I think I would be good at that. Okay. And it's not even conscious. It's just sort of just, you know, like my eyes are staring at my periphery vision. And then I just have a sense of it. Sure. Like a parrot. Exactly. Um, and, and not to take away the, uh, this great moment of promoting the game show, but Mario Brothers talk reminded me of a very embarrassing sexual moment in my life. Please The first girl share. ever gave me a blowjob. Um, we were hooking up in my bedroom in college one time. Your publicist just killed herself. I know. <laughs> yeah, she's out there hanging. <laughs> but she's like into it, though. You know what I mean? Like an auto asphyxiation kind of situation. This probably made it better. Go ahead. Yeah, totally. And, uh, and so we were hooking up in my bed, and I was like finally trying to get some confidence to like take her clothes off and like... First try to take her shirt off, then she wouldn't let me, then she would. And then she finally let me unbutton her pants and button them back up. And then I had to unbutton them again. Then she Wait, stopped me. did you button her pants back no, up or she did she? Them okay. Back up. And was it a button fly or? No, I think it was a zipper and button. Okay, gotcha. And then she let me do that. And then I tried to pull them down. She stopped me. And then eventually she let me pull her pants down. And I literally said this. I said, I said, what is this? Super Mario Brothers is, is going in levels. 
<laughs> and as if Did that she appreciate that? No. And as if that wasn't bad enough, she's like, yeah, okay. And then I put my hand inside of her panties and literally, I swear to God, said the dumbest thing you could ever say to a girl. I said, let's see if this tunnel goes in. Oh, no. Yeah. I absolutely said that. And she was like, uh-uh, and pulled her panties back up and pulled her pants back up. And that was the end of that hookup. It was, I mean, to this day, the worst thing you could possibly say to a woman. The it's the worst. worst thing I've ever heard. Yeah, ever, right? I mean, see no, if this it's not the worst in. thing I've ever heard, but it doesn't, oh. it's making me, everything's clenching. And is it also weird that to this day when I come, I go boop, 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 <laughs> boop, 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 as it dribbles out of me? Uh, I should not probably even share that. No, probably oh, not. I was so bad with girls in college. It was horrendous. There was this one super attractive girl I was so into, and my sophomore year, beginning week, she was a freshman. I'm like, this is great. She doesn't know anything. She's disoriented. It's a great time for me to make a move. <laughs> I ask her on a date. We go shopping. She wanted to cook for me in my apartment. We go shopping. We buy all this food. She makes this amazing dinner. We're drinking a whole bottle of wine in my apartment. Fancy dinner. Candles I lit, right? And it went so it went far beyond as well as I could have ever thought that it would have gone. I'm a virgin. I didn't think about even hooking up with her or spending a night with her. So when she said this at the end of the, at the, end of the dinner, it confused her. I didn't understand what she meant until days later. At the end of it, she goes, you know, I have to get up at 6 a.m. to drive to L.A. tomorrow. Um, would you mind setting your alarm for me? I mean... Clearly, that means you want to spend the night, right? Yeah. The way I inter, I, oh, that no. didn't occur oh, to boy. me that she would have wanted to spend the night. So she said, "Would you mind setting an alarm for me?" And I literally looked at her blankly and said, "You, you want to borrow my alarm clock?" <laughs> I guess sure. She was like, "What?" She looked at me so confused, and I did not get it until three days later. I'm walking along campus. I'm like, "Oh no! Set my alarm!" She wanted to sleep there. I mean, she was literally so confused. So did she end up taking your alarm clock and walking away or what happened? No, what happened, it ended so awkwardly. It ended so weirdly. I was also at the same time in love with another girl um, who I was in love with for like most of college who, strangely, you look kind of like, as a side note. And so I was even like thinking of her a little bit during this date and she and I had plans to go to a party that night. I never thought the date would go that long. So I'm like, after dinner, I said that and she's confused. I'm like, I got to go. I got to go to this party. She's like, what? You're leaving? I'm like, yeah, I got to go. She's like, I'm going to stay and clean up your place. I'm like, you can't stay in my apartment when I leave. And she's like, yes, I'm staying. I'm like, no, you're not Sounds staying. Sounds like she really liked you. She really did. I'm like, that's psycho. You're coming with me. And literally, I you're literally. You're coming with me no, to I mean, the party? No, you're coming out oh. of the apartment. And she wouldn't leave. I literally had to physically drag her out of my apartment. She was like losing her mind. She was so confused. I literally had to pull her out of the front door. It closes. And she opens it back up, runs back in. She's like, you go to your party. I'm cleaning this up. Well, now she just sounds like a stalker Then a she bit. became a little weird. And my roommates told me she literally stayed there until like an hour and a half later cleaned every part of the kitchen before she left so that worked i mean that was lisa came back to a nice kitchen did you ever see her again yeah then like i tried to ma- see her again and try to make a movie and she thought i was an idiot and it didn't happen and then we were like sort of friendly after that but it never was great and what happened with the other girl oh i was in love with her for three years and i like convinced her to try dating me slash hooking up with me like we like, we, like hooked up one night drunkenly at a party in my house and for me, it was magical. I was, like, drawing pictures of the female form the next day in math. And mm-hmm. she was, like, you know, whatever. And I, convinced, I literally had to, like, debate her into considering dating me. We dated for, like, a week. That She didn't like that. We stopped. But we hooked up for, like, a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And, and you were in love with her the whole time. I was. And then she and I tried to have sex. We tried to lose our virginity to each other. And it was a horrible disaster. What happened? I was 21. 
And it was just in every respect. It's a whole separate podcast to tell the story properly. But basically, we decided to lose our virginity to each other during spring break. Um, I called my mother and told her this was the plan. And my mother's like, Penny, I will find a hotel room for you guys. She researches hotels, finds a beachfront hotel. So my mom set up the hotel. So now that's in my head and it's horrendous. And I went there and like way overthought the whole thing and was still in my head about vaginas. And I show up at this, I, I, I take her to the, to the beachfront hotel from my parents' house in one car. And I have a boom box and a stack of CDs. Like we were going to listen to a hundred CDs this night and fruit <laughs> and whipped cream and like wow. order room service fruit platters on top of it and all this shit. And it just could, didn't, she was so nervous. She like lied back in the bed and was like, Literally, like, chattering her teeth, nervous, and that's not sexy. I would get uh, on top of that, and so yeah. I was, like, nervous, and she was, was it all cold clenched. cold in there? Very cold in there, yes. It was literally like the Titanic was sinking. <laughs> it was horrendous, and I just couldn't get it up. I mean, I wrote, ended up writing a pilot based on this moment. It was like, I just couldn't make it happen, and then she, I, like, go around the corner berating myself naked into a mirror, like, you can do this. This moment is very important for your life. Just get hard now, and I could not make myself do it, mm. and then we tried to get a porn film, and it was horrendous, and it was, like, a bad one, and she didn't wow, like it. Wow, you tried to get a porn film for the first... From, like, SpectreVision, and then yeah. she didn't like that one, so I had to get another one, and then I have two $18 charges appearing on my thing, and the next morning I had to, like, take one off and explain that, like, it was a mistake, and then, so after we finally give up on... Oh, she tried to give me a blowjob at one point with the condom on, and she's, like, oh. sucking on rubber and it sounded like a tire factory and smelled like a like rubber just exploding in the room and after all that i'm mortified and she's like i want to go home i don't want to spend the night here made me drive her back to my parents house to get her car and i go in to my parents house to get like a change of shirt or something my parents wake up at three in the morning and they're like how did it go benny how did it go and i'm like guys not great go back to sleep i'm gonna go back and enjoy the hotel room though And my mom's like good for you benny good for you I drove back to the hotel and spent the night by the beach by myself. And did you have a good time or no? It was okay. Uh, the next day I went I, I, I went in the hot tub uh, the next morning in the hotel and was at least looking forward to enjoying the amenities. And I sat in the hot tub the next morning before I had to check out. And the jets in the hot tub were like really weak. And I remember being struck by the irony that those jets too that were not as penetrating as I would have hoped. <laughs> it was quite horrible. And then I like lost my virginity for real like two years later after college at like 22, 23. How'd that go? To a nice girl. That went well. We went to New York and she she, she took my flower. A lot I want to shoot myself in the face for saying that, by the way. Yeah, okay, me too. Shoot my flowers worse than maybe that's their dance. That's yeah. the worst. A lot of traveling would in life. Yeah, but general. it's still not as bad as does this tunnel go in. Mm-hmm. Gary had a story, I think. Uh, no, I had a question. Did you yes. say that you went down and argued the charges on one of the two porn movies? Uh-huh. Yeah. I, yeah. I like your style. Thank you very much. I would, have been too em- I would have been too embarrassed to do anything, especially after the mortification that yeah. came before. But I was very embarrassed, but it was ocean from already overextending myself. No, it I, was I eighteen ninety five charged twice, and I'm like, look, this is on. You can look at it. It was on for two minutes. We clicked it by mistake, and I did it. I just disputed it. It was very embarrassing. Did they fight you on it? Or no, did they, just they were okay? pretty cool about it. I mean, they gave me like a, like an eye. They're like, hmm, really, really. <laughs> oh, wait, you disputed <laughs> both charges? No, just the first years one. Old, like. Yeah, I was well. I was actually twenty one, twenty one. Okay, well, but it's still, bold you're because that. he's admitting that he watched it. Yeah, he's admitting he ordered it once. He just didn't want it yes, twice. Yes. Now, what he's admitting is is that he that was not up to snuff. He right. wanted something a little better. exactly right. <laughs> you, the, the porn in this hotel is is not up to my standards. Right. Do you understand me? And they respected it. They respected it. But now I'm great in bed. You know what I mean. 
Sure. Now it's a whole different, a, a whole new world. Is that true? I hope. I hope so. Yeah. So, I mean, you it's know probably what? not amazing, but it's better. It's definitely better, for sure. Well, it has to be, right? I can get it up now. Always? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, mostly I can't. I mean, it really depends on the girl, to be honest with you. You don't have to put it on them, but like... There are certain people you'll hook up with if you're like uber attracted to them. It's never an issue. But if someone that's like you're kind of borderline attracted to, but you're trying to convince yourself to be a good person to date, there can be issues. Do you find yourself often in that thing of trying to convince yourself that this person would be good to date, but you're not that into them? Yeah. Something on your microphone? Yeah. I think I just spit on my microphone, oh. but it's gone now. Okay. Um, yeah. I think I do do that because I haven't been in a serious relationship in a very long time, and I feel like I'm trying to convince myself maybe my own instincts are not correct. Oh, oh yes. I know that one so well. Yeah. So I'm trying to re- trying to readjust course right you know do you tend to go for the wrong kind of person i think probably i do to a degree yeah who do you like what kind what's your pattern i think my pattern might be that i don't go for like people who could actually be a good long-term match for me i think maybe i tend a little bit to go for people who are like easy uh I don't want to know how to phrase this without being terribly offensive to everybody no, I've hooked up go with. Go for it. But basically, I, I think I maybe tend to go for people that maybe fall in my lap a little bit easier. And I don't, mm. I don't, if there's someone's a challenge, I've been so scarred from like pursuing somebody for a long time. And I feel like it doesn't always work out that well. Your heart gets so invested that I think maybe I end up going for people where it's just more of a sure thing is the way to phrase it, I suppose. Maybe like a lot where of, they pursue you? Yeah, sort of. Or just like maybe really easier. Someone to meet after a show or something. And it's like, pretty easy and I know it's on instead of somebody who's maybe like more like my peer or whatever or somebody you know who might be a more I don't know maybe yeah I don't know stuff like that so which are the ones that you find that you aren't that attracted to uh, you just certain people you're viscerally attracted to like I per, per, particularly like brunettes um, but I'm very attracted to blonde sometimes too but it's just certain I'm certain body hangups and things and it's you know, certain to me, like I think maybe it's been a bit affected by just the sexualization of women in our culture, maybe to a degree, or maybe porn has done it to a degree too. But I feel like I have a pretty like traditional male view sometimes of female sexuality, and women aren't all like necessarily dolled up or don't dress in a way that like I find alluring. It's hard for me to like see them in a sexual way, and even though I might think they're brilliantly witty or charming. I'm, it's hard for me sometimes to like wrap my head around like, but look what she's wearing. I can't. I'm not into it. I'm not attracted to it. Right. Um, and that's my own thing because that's stupid. And obviously, you know, people can dress in different ways, but but you're also attracted to what you're attracted to. You can't force it. You know what probably would be a turn off to you what? as it is to many men and to many women? Unsightly body hair. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's why I would recommend. Mm-hmm. This is a very smooth segue. Yeah, it sounds good. It was smooth until I pointed it out. So I would recommend the No-No Pro. The No-No Pro is up to 35% stronger, more effective, faster than the No-No, and it helps you remove unwanted, embarrassing hair. No more shaving. Throw those razor blades out. With No-No Pro, you get weeks of long-lasting results. Ladies, it's perfect for removing the peach fuzz from your face. Guys, it's great for removing the hair on your neck or back. No more nicks, cuts, ingrown hairs. No-No Pro works on all skin types, all hair colors, safe and effective for both men and women. And I love it because it is absolutely... Absolutely painless. You don't even feel it. You just glide along your skin, removes the hair, and like I said, literally, and I'm not making this up, you don't feel it. I was surprised the first time I used it because I thought this is probably going to burn or sting or just do something that is going to make me say, ouch. But no, I didn't even feel it at all. So there's a special exclusive offer for you guys. You get the No No Pro device, you get an exclusive facial kit, you get a 
snazzy travel case. If you order online, you get a free gift card, and the entire purchase is backed by Nono's triple guarantee. If you're not 100% satisfied, they'll refund the purchase price, refund the shipping, and even pay for you to ship it back to them. So you don't risk a penny to try the Nono. Terms and conditions may apply. Call for details. Um, so here's how you get the special exclusive offer. Go to nonoprobestfriend.com or call 800-336-1665. Again, that's nonoprobestfriend.com or 800-336-1665. Okay. Do I get one of those? Do I get to leave one of those? No, but you can call the number or you can go to nonoprobestfriend.com. I know, but I feel like being in the studio, you should, I should get one. We might have a sticker for you. Okay, that's good. Do we have any stickers left? I'll see what I can do. Oh, that's <laughs> sweet. Thank you, guys. Let's do Just Me or Everyone. Sure. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? All right. Thomas Cannon says, just me or everyone, I pretend to be doing something in my car to avoid walking into work with someone else. I don't know that I've specifically done that. Oh, no, I have. I do the opposite. You get out of your car? I'll be on my phone until the person I want to walk in with walks in. And then I'll be, you know, even like stay on the phone until it's like, oh, wow, the exact same moment we're walking in together now. I'm creepy, I'm realizing. A little bit. That's not great. Look, we just oh, presented I got you a sticker. sticker. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I hope that you put that somewhere prominent. I'm going to. AllisonRosen.com is your new best friend. Yeah. Abe Lopez says, refer to a poop that survives. <laughs> refer to a poop that survives more than one flush as the unsinkable Molly Brown. That's clever and gross. But no one else does that. Does it's anyone? It's just that it, guy. I bet there's someone else out there that does the it. The unsinkable Molly Brown. <laughs> the unsinkable Molly Brown is like a... A musical or the you know the Molly Brown or no nope Molly Brown was a ship maybe and then they made a musical of it it was a shit they made a, a musical about no a ship oh I think it was a ship hmm. Gary can you look it up um, okay Amy Barrera said oh I met her recently in San Antonio she's delightful she said when I use my uh, it's a reference to Margaret Molly Brown, who was an American socialite and one of the survivors of the sinking of the Titanic. Oh, right. The character played by Kathy Bates. And then they turned it into a musical and a film, yeah. Kathy Bates played Molly Brown. She was a, see, she was how, a real see how right I was? The Molly Brown was a ship. <laughs> yep. I'm not a Kathy Bates fan. You're not. It's a side note. I, uh, I don't know if I am or not. I don't like her. Okay. I find her very irritating. So irritating. Go with that. And you know what's weird too is like hosting a game show now. People start a lot of people like it and leave nice comments, and a lot of people leave very hurtful comments. And I can't be hurt because I say things like Meryl Streep has a weird face, and I don't right. like Kathy Bates. So how could I, you know, feel hurt by people, you know, insulting me? You can't. But you do anyway, right? No, it kind of rolls off. Really, to be honest, mostly. I think some, sometimes if it's like real aggressive, but like generally speaking, I think it's really exciting to get haters. It means you're doing something worthwhile. What a good way of looking at it. Thanks. This, um, yes. This doesn't say... Uh, Plus, people recently started... There were multiple movies, yes. Kathy Bates did play her. She did play her, okay. Recently, there was a Twitter account launched... Please uh, don't uh, take out no. your internal aggression on my sticker. No, no, I'm, I'm keeping it completely flat. I'm just folding in ways that it could still stick. Okay. I'm not, I'm not going like... I'm not folding it. I'm just rolling like you're it. turning it into origami. No, I would never. All right. I would never do that. Please don't. Okay, well. <clears throat> Go ahead. No, I'm just saying, you know, people started an anti-me Twitter page recently, and... They did. People? Yeah. Who are these people? I don't know. I think these high school kids that are actually not the nicest people in the world. No, but, high school kids usually aren't. Yeah, they're really mean, but they put a pretty funny bio 
uh, on it. It said something like, I am ugly, I host a shitty game show, and I get gangbanged daily for box mac and cheese. And I thought that was very clever, the end of that sentence. Like, yeah. look, I might be ugly. Game show's great, and everybody should watch it Tuesdays at 9, 9.30. Right. But... Uh, I get gangbanged daily for box mac and cheese. It was very hilarious because, I mean, if I were getting gangbanged as a trade for something, right? why would I need it to be mac and cheese? Why would it have to be boxed? It's very right. specific. As opposed to what? From the deli counter? As opposed to deli mac and cheese. Yeah, or like interesting. Box mac and cheese is like such a cheap version of mac and cheese, the worst you can get. I, I enjoyed that turn of phrase. That's the only thing I wanted to say about that. It's great. Yeah. Okay. Amy Barrera says, I, I don't know that I would say that box mac and cheese is the worst version of it, though. I feel is, like Kraft, is there a worse? Yeah, I feel like some deli mac and cheese. I, I, don't, I don't have mac and cheese that often, and it's been a long time since I've had Kraft mac and cheese. But my memory is the Kraft mac and cheese, the box mac and cheese that you it's actually good. get gangbang for, yeah, has more flavor than some oh, pretty, like, saying. bland. It'll be old sitting there in the deli. Yeah. So you think maybe they're complimenting me. They're saying, I get gangbanged, <laughs> but for great mac and cheese. Right. For That's qual- sweet. Quality mac and cheese. That's oh, what thanks, I'm saying. guys. Yeah. Amy Barrera says, when I use my Keurig, I have to put the K-cup in, making sure the words are right side up. I prefer it right side up. I don't have to. Oh. Do you have one of the coffee makers that has the pods? I do have a pod coffee maker. I don't care what angle it is because it's a perfect circle, and I'm aware that it's making a hole in the middle and it shouldn't make a difference. I'm, in, in other words, I'm, I'm well adjusted. But to I feel you like that's and this not what's person, come through in this podcast. Well, at least when it comes to making coffee. Okay. And at least, do I seem I'm not well adjusted? No, you seem well, you seem well adjusted. Uh, I'm going to fold the shit out of this sticker. Don't do it. Erky Corpus says. Who? Erky Corpus. That's somebody's name? I, yeah. I mean, I feel like, I don't know what's really going on And you chose the Twitter handle, Ew Corpus? As though (laughs) Erky's not enough, you chose Ew Corpus. Just me or everyone, when someone gives me their email address and it's not a Gmail account, I think less of them. I allowed people to talk me out of AOL. I was mocked so mercilessly Mm -hmm. by Mm -hmm. my friend who's like an IT guy. Mm -hmm. I agree with this, though. I judge. It wasn't you. It was no, I know, but I'm predated you from him. I'm yeah. saying you're welcome. Yeah, I judge hard if it's not a Gmail. You know who who you know who exclusively seems to use AOL? People in comedy. A lot yeah, of comedy people do, do AOL. I guess. Yeah, it, but it I is feel like weird there's something cool about still having your AOL account. There's still some people that still have Earthlink.net, and I want to kill those That's people. Weird. You and I have marveled over the fact that one of the biggest comedians in the world has an awesome Gmail address that we can't even believe he got. Gmail. It's his first name at Gmail. No, that's not him. It was for a while. I know it's changed. Because someone else has it now. I know it's changed, but that was him. I'm sure that just got around because it was so. Carrot Top at Gmail? Is this what we're talking about? Yeah. Wait, but how did some other tech nerd get his cool once Gmail? It, once you give it up, anyone can get it. I wonder why he would. Oh, he probably gave it up because everyone probably, knew it was him. It probably got around that it was him. And... Well, mm. I tried to book that other guy on this show. <laughs> the, 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 How'd that go? the person who stole the he email address? He never back to me, and then I realized, wait a minute, this is not his email address. <laughs> okay. This, sorry, listeners. Luann yeah, D says, <laughs> it's okay. When I see someone put on a bra on TV or movies, I wonder why they don't do it the easy way, by hooking it in front, then spin it. I've never done it that way. Wow, why not? That sounds, seems to make sense. Because you can just do it the other way, by, and it's not that hard. Oh, really? Yeah. Do you, wonder, do you think maybe... Women with enormous breasts have to do it that way? Or are they going to be like making horrible I would think track be marks harder. along their front yeah, of their breasts when they spin harder. it around? Right. They always have a red streak around there. That's so the only way I've ever really seen it done. 
is what? Putting it on in front in, in and spinning it? Uh-huh. Really? Yeah. Are you dating girls backwards? You ever ask yourself that? <laughs> that's, that's something I'm going to think about. You've got to really think about gonna, that, Gary. I'm going to have a long night tonight. Please. Maybe you've been doing that. it backwards all along. Maybe I have been. Wait, Do you always every... go, in the back, you know, go in the backside first every time? No. Okay. All right, man. Maybe you got some hope. Then you got a chance. Maybe I'd like to. Yeah. See? If you're doing it backwards and you go in the front first, that is backwards. Think about My that. My mind is blown. Okay, good. You see girls hook oh. it in the front and then spin? Mm-hmm. Weird. I feel and, like and are they big-breasted usually or, or little-breasted? The funny thing is I've seen the whole spectrum. You've seen fire and you've seen rain. I have. What if I'm doing it wrong? I just are, put are my arms... Are you envisioning it like up... You do it like down... Oh, does it right. in the back? spin it and then they come up. Oh. Oh, so you do it not, down you do it, and you then do it spin around it... The waist. Like around like your belly button or like... And you just reach back like a duck? You reach, you reach back and make this weird Mick yes, Jagger chest I put my, as you... I put it on my arms and then I just like do this. And you look T-Rex Mick jagger I'm holding the back of it right and, now. And you this do it in front of it. a mirror and you kind of like make your lips duck face <laughs> out. Very Mick jaggery slash selfie style. Ladies, am I doing this wrong? Interesting. All right. Nadia Stimple says, just me or everyone. When I hear dogs barking from... D- I'm just thinking of all the women I've seen put on and take off bras. Because I know I've seen it done the way you're talking about, but I don't know who it is that did it that I way. I feel like it was done that way in like the oldest little whorehouse in Texas, Dolly Parton movies. Is yeah, like I when feel I've like I've it. actually seen it done that way. Yeah. Uh oh. Excuse me. In movies, I have a problem where I yawn sometimes. Really? Yeah, this isn't personal, Ben. No, it's thank not God. personal. Although I haven't done it in a while. But whenever I do oh, it. Although it is personal. No, Your it's Your point not. is that it's, you want to make sure it's clear that it is personal. I'm bringing it back. No. Long pause. I tried to save you. Long pause before that, no. I know. Thanks for the I, try. But I had, to, I had to mention that it's been a while. Why? Why did you have to mention that? Because every time I yawn, I get some fucking asshole who's like, "Don't why do you show some respect for your listeners and not yawn? Can't you?" Blah, 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 blah. And it's like it's involuntary. Can I be honest? Though, it's a fair point. <laughs> it is a fair point. Nadia Stimple says, "When I hear dogs barking from different yards, I wonder if they are sending a message to save other dogs, like in 101 Dalmatians." I'm trying to stifle a yawn again. Now it's I'm all up in my head with the yawn. Well, I mean, that's a silly question. That could be the only thing is saving dogs. They can't have other conversations. They're probably having conversations. They're right. They might be talking about the leftovers. Right. Why does it have to be always about saving? It's not always a, a fire emergency like a Dalmatian would have it be. Right. And I wish, they, I wish Nadia Stimples would o- open her mind a little. Are they really communicating or are they just making noise? I mean, I don't know. I'm not a dog. Okay. Tummy Towel says, just me or everyone, when on vacation, I keep thinking that I see people I recognize in the crowds. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes, and more yes. Mm-hmm. And then I'll repeatedly think I see those people mm-hmm. that I haven't seen for a long time. And it's like, why is my brain repeatedly focusing on, like, it's like my brain is finding a pattern. Mm-hmm. And it's someone I haven't seen since high school or something like that. It's I, weird. I totally do that. And I also have another weird thing I do. It's very similar to that. I call it like delayed deja vu. Has that ever happened to you? Where you'll meet somebody and your first thought is you do not know them from before, but then like a half hour and hang with them, you're like, I know this person from before, but there's no way now to know if it's really from before or just from this half hour you've been hanging out. That's my. Does it ever turn out that you did know them from before? I don't know that I ever like often research it beyond. Right. I but do I have, have that all... thought. I'll be like, I swear I know them, but I didn't think it at first, but they become so familiar. Like, I must know this yeah. archetype or this personality from before. They seem too familiar. That's interesting. I have all sorts of weird things with deja vu. You do? Yeah, but it's usually nothing. It's just a, like a aura. It's a sense. I wish there was feeling. a way to like validate. Like when deja vu really happened, you could have the thought and then it'd be like, bing, bing, bing. 
correct. It's deja vu because I want to know. I want resolution to I it. I feel like when it's deja. I feel like when it is deja vu and it's really because you have experienced something like that already. Then you're like, oh, I know why I'm feeling this because this just happened. Mm-hmm. But, like, I was shooting a rap music video because I rap, okay? Of course. And and you couldn't have looked less interested in that. (laughs) You looked like you lost so much respect for me when I said that. No. And I was in in a van. The song was called Beats in My Van. I was in a van with smoke going and these hot girls dancing in front. And I was in the back of the van, super stoned. That probably added to my sense of deja vu. Right. And I just had the thought, I could have sworn I dreamt this exact scenario years ago. Dreamt it. How do I know? Maybe you had. I think well, I that's, did. Well, that's that's interesting. Deja vu. Dream to deja a dream. Vu, yeah. Yeah. yeah a dream so you, wait, you rap. Mm-hmm. Have you put out an album? No, but I had a rap group for a minute. We put out a single and a music video, which is still on YouTube. Fun Mountain. Fun, Fun Mountain. Fun MTN. Period. Beats in my van. Okay. Songs available on iTunes, or you can see the video. It's a pretty good video. I'll check Jeff it out. Ross makes a cameo in the video. Oh, neat. It's pretty exciting. Mallory says, just mirror everyone, when washing dishes, I put the soap on the sponge or scrub brush instead of drizzling soap over the dirty dishes. That's smart. I don't do that. I do do that. That's smart. And I kind of rub it onto the sponge first because I don't want to get a residue in any one spot of that plate that I might not ever really remove well. Right. I want it evenly distributed before we even touch the porcelain. Smart. You know? I I do. Okay. Great. Do you have what I have, which Mm -hmm. is... Good, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. That one I do relate to. I have fear of not rinsing well enough and mm. soap being left on my plate. Yes, I'd I rather have oh. food than soap on my plate. Even in a mug, I don't know how you ever know. Because to me, I'll fill it up 12 times with water one, yes. and there's still bubbles. Yes, when yes. Do you what stop? is that? When do you stop? You're right. Well, it's the worst. That's why I don't use soap often. Honestly, I rarely use soap. The second I finish a dish, I just go and rinse it off and use really a paper well, towel yeah. and get the stuff off because that's better to me than eating soap. Yeah, I'm totally afraid of eating soap. I don't it's a like real it. Phobia. I'm sure I'm doing. I'm okay it. with the dish, the dishwasher though. That I trust gets things. Actually, sometimes mm, I'll give I it don't. an extra rinse. Yeah, I don't trust it. That's a real wasting water kind of thing. Give the, me the extra rinse. The twelve rinses. But I take things out of the dishwasher oftentimes, and there'll be a whole white residue on the bottom of it. And I'm like, yes. well, that's clearly not clean. Well, if it's on the I bottom, can, I'm, like I'm okay with it. No, on in the inside. Bottom. Oh, that's not okay. I mean, what am I going to? I'm literally eating detergent. That's a horrific situation. That's disgusting. Yeah. I don't do it. That's why I don't wash things. But then do you think about in restaurants, oh. all the soap you're probably eating? Today I ordered a lemonade at a fucking place and there was a blue, unnatural blue sh- something in the ice. And I said, what is this? And she goes, oh, no, no. That's just from our dishwasher. And I'm <laughs> like, yeah, that's my point. There's something from your dishwasher in my <laughs> beverage. She made it seem like that was supposed to make it fine. What I'm like, was new it? lemonade, like a, please. A blue crystal of dishwashing blue, soap? Yeah, probs. I don't know. I don't. I didn't like any of it. I did get a free, a free new lemonade though, so I ended up got one and a half lemonades for the price of one lemonade. Oh, you had already you had half of it when uh-huh. you noticed the blue. No, I noticed the blue. Drank half, then complained. Is that fucked up? Bold. Mm-hmm. Wow. Ryan Pinella. This is our last one. Ryan Pinella says, "When you say a word incorrectly and you have to say it out loud correctly to make the word right again." Oh, I think everyone does that. Yeah, I do that. Yeah, I do that. All right. Yeah. Well, this has been just me or everyone. Hmm. There, that was it. Did nice you enjoy relate, it? I did. It's nice to relate to people, know that we're all we're all fucked up in the head. Exactly. That's really nice. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, Ben Glebe. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on my show. Thank you for having me on your show. It's been so much fun. It's been delightful. And it's been delightful. Did you just say that on purpose like that? Yeah. Thanks. 
Oh, 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 oh. I was like, I didn't even realize what I said. Then no, I didn't say Ben. Oh, you didn't. I didn't say it on purpose. But um, can I plug one more thing before we're done? I was going to give you the opportunity to plug away. Oh, you're so sweet. Okay, then I'll wait till you do it. Go for it. Thanks. I have a web series coming out soon called Cynodopes. It's about the first movie theater to sell weed. And it's a, it's a very weird screwball over the top kind of situation comedy. And it's really fun. It'll be coming out soon, probably on YouTube. And like, it's like a free web series. Neat. And you, really did fun. you write it and direct and produce or I, I co-wrote it. Things? I co-wrote it with Brian Drolet and I'm one of the co-stars of it. And it's got great funny people, Max No Sleeves and Angeline Rose Troy and Brian Drolet and myself and funny Ben Morrison. It's really fun and weird and like elaborate. Okay. So and- there's that. Where else should we go to find you everywhere? I just really would love it if people watch the game show because it's really enjoyable. It's questions that will really confound you and you'd some will, you'll feel like a genius some minutes and then idiot another minute. It's called Idiot Test, one word. It's on every Tuesday, 9, 9, 30, 8, 8, 30 central because enough with them, but you have to say it. Right. Um, game show on Network. Game Show Network. And uh, just follow me on Twitter at Ben Glebe or Instagram. I'm Instagramming a lot. You are? Are you at Ben Glebe on Instagram? Oh, yeah. I'll follow you on Instagram. I don't think I do right now, That's but I sweet. will. We follow each other on Twitter. I don't think do. I follow you on Instagram either. Well, maybe you should. It's exclusively oh, lately dog pics. Really? A lot of dogs. I will not follow you on Instagram. Really? All dog pics? No. Sometimes there's other stuff. But you're becoming one of those girls that just does exclusively mostly dog pics. I am, yeah. And you make like voices for your dog and talk to it real cute in little videos too? No. Okay. Not yet. Okay. I'm going to Instagram post the sticker origami into a dog please don't you look hurt by that i'm not gonna really do that okay but there'll be i don't even think live. you could if hey, you I, wanted to i could google it that's true that's true you can find google an asian anything. person who's great at it right and copy what they do but also it would live the sticker would get so much more pub if it were on instagram as a dog instead of being on my laptop and no one sees it except people who know me personally if you want to do that i i sign off on it okay thanks yeah Great. Suddenly, I don't, don't want to do it now. I felt like I liked it when you didn't like it, and I wanted to like be a rebel. Now you I know. Permission. I'm like, all right, let's use it as a sticker. If you want to buy something on Amazon, perhaps dishes, dishwashing soap, a book on origami, anything of the sort, click through the banner on my website, alisonrosen.com. It doesn't cost you anything extra. It does help out the show. We have two special bonus episodes available, recorded live at the LA Podcast Festival. The first one with Doug Benson and Greg Proops. The next one with Doug Benson and musician Matt Costa and much of the Thursday gang. Those are $1.99 in the comedy album section of the iTunes store. We have a special ringtone available. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. You need that. When I you read those that. unpleasant comments mm-hmm. from people, mm-hmm. uh, you need that ringtone. Or just, you know, when your friends call or whatever. You can get that by searching, hey, go fuck, fuck yourself. Excuse me. <laughs> you just apologize for not cussing. You said go fuck. I'm sorry. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> You apologize right. for cleaning that I up. I stumbled over it, but I stumbled I didn't, into yeah. less offensive language. Hey, go fuck yourself on your iPhone in the iTunes store. You can follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. Follow the show's Twitter feed at ARIYMBF. You can follow Gary at G. Patrick Smith. For Kaylin, he's still not on social media. He's so hip, but he's not on social media. It's weird. Is he then? Based on how hard he laughed, I think this web series from Ben might get him on social media. Oh, good. I cannot believe that idea has not been thought of before. Right? It is genius. Thank you very much. Cynodopes, baby, coming at you. We sell weed in the movie theater. Smart. It's really, uh, this should be a real thing in life. I'm thinking about opening oh, yeah. it in life. I don't know why I didn't just start the business. And I'm really thinking about it because that's going to be a thing. I mean, how great would it be? You get high as you walk into the movie. And then you see it over and over because you don't retain it. That's how I would be. I know. I'm really, I can't actually get high from movies anymore in my own life because I don't remember anything. Yeah, nor do I. 
But if you if you watch my game show, hi, you can watch it limitlessly, and you'd never remember the puzzles, and it'd be new to you every time. That smart. might be a good time. For that is it. smart. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you so much, Ben. Thanks for having this me. This has been fun. I like you and I like your podcast. I'm very happy to have been here. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. And thank you guys for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen show? Now that the show's over, don't forget to go to naturebox.com and sign up to get your free sampler box of great tasting healthy snacks. Forget the vending machine and start snacking smarter with delicious treats like barbecue kettle kernels. Go to naturebox.com slash Allison. That's naturebox.com slash Allison.